Hey, it's Ian Altman. Thanks for posting reviews on iTunes and for sharing this podcast with others. It really makes a big difference. Our guest today is Jeff Lesher. Now, Jeff is a guy who works with Shift, which is part of Shift Consulting. It's kind of the most caring, inspiring, results-oriented management consulting firm that I've run into. Jeff plays a principal role in helping Shift clients perform at levels that have greater impact and produce better results than their peers. And he helps the Shift team do more, be more, and give more. It's really a remarkable organization based out of Baltimore, and their results speak for themselves. They're often viewed and ranked as one of the best places to work in Baltimore, and their clients are often seen as best place to work in their relative areas. So these are people who aren't just talking a good game, they're actually doing a good game. We're going to talk about the problem that organizations have when it comes to strategic planning, the problem with getting work done, or for that matter, not getting work done, and how organizations get caught focusing on things that aren't in their top priorities. You're going to learn a ton, a lot of insight from Jeff Lesher. Jeff Lesher, welcome to the program. Nice to be here, Ian. Big fan. You know what? I appreciate that. You know, I always wondered, you're the guy. <laughs> you're the guy who's listening. That's awesome. <laughs> There's more than one of us. There are at least two of us. Yeah. All right. So at least, you know, we should have the other person here then. So but be little, they'll be listening. Crowded. That's cool. Yeah. We needed somebody to still listen. Yeah, that's great. So tell our audience something surprising that they may not know about you. I don't know how surprising this is. I know you have really interesting people on this show. My interesting thing is that I make up new lyrics to old songs, and then I perform them, uh, often for family events and occasionally for business purposes. And you can find me on YouTube doing at least one of these. They're silly, they amuse me, and so therefore they're good. <laughs> as long as they amuse you. I think that's generally my litmus test. When I do things, um, often my kids will say, Dad, that's just stupid. It's embarrassing which for starters is my God-given right as a parent. And then I always say, yeah, but I find it entertaining and that's all that really counts. That's exactly what I tell my daughter. She gives me the same feedback. So I, I, know, that, I know that in your organization, you guys spend a lot of time working with helping organizations really shift the work and make it so that you're performing at a higher level than maybe your counterparts and peers in other businesses. And this time of year, a lot of organizations focus on strategic planning. What are the biggest mistakes you see organizations make when it comes to strategic plans? There's an old expression, might be more Southern than, than all your listeners are used to, but it's called too cute by half. And I would say that's the number one thing. Organizations and their leaders are too cute by half. They get so caught up in coming up with this really shiny plan that never actually gets implemented, that they miss the opportunity to just connect their people to what they're trying to accomplish and how they need to do it. Okay, so tell me a little bit more about that. So, so the uh, I imagine that when you come in and do strategic planning, what percentage of the time are you revisiting stuff that was supposed to be accomplished the prior year but didn't get done? A hundred percent, probably is <laughs> is the right answer there. Uh, and and it, it's so. First of all, we tend to work with organizations in an ongoing way, so we don't parachute in to do a strategic plan. We build on the work that's ongoing in order to help them execute because we're really committed to doing the work. While I, I'm confident that we have 
interesting, if not unique perspectives on a number of things. Fundamentally, we're about helping you as an organization, organizational leader, do the work. And that's what makes us different versus coming up with crazy stuff that sounds different than everybody else is doing. I love I love the description because so often what I see from people is, well, here's our plan. Here's what we're looking to do. And then you talk to them six months later, and that's still their plan. That's still what they're, quote, looking to do. And if you ask them, well, which of those things have you done? Well, none, because we're still talking about it. So how do you get organizations to move from talking about it to doing the work? And actually, I guess even before that, what what is it that prevents organizations from doing the work? Because my guess is they don't lay out a plan with the intention of not doing the work. It just happens to be that the work doesn't get done. So why is that? So a lot of reasons. So let's try to combine some things here. How do we get them to go there? We get them to go there because they want to go there because their results are not where they want them to be. So uh, it used to be in the business where compliance, doing something that was required by law, was the way in which we sold stuff. That's a great driver. So CEOs have compliance requirements to perform at the levels financially more often than not that they're required to and they're not there. That's number one. Number two is giving them some data. So they believe it's all good. Like we had this shiny plan, so why aren't our people doing it? We do a study that includes a survey and we ask people things like, how much of the week do you spend by percentage focusing on the things that are priorities? And the answer is usually less than half. They know what their priorities are. They're not spending their time on them. And they often reveal other weaknesses like we don't have the resources that we need or it's hard to get questions answered or we don't promote healthy conflict and a number of things that, again, you can not intentionally but live in that executive bubble where we think things are better and clearer than they are. So they're not performing as they should. So they're interested. We give them more data, which says, yeah, you're not performing as you should for some reasons, and we can help you with that. Yeah. And and so so my guess is the employees aren't sitting around saying, you know what? I don't think I'm going to do this stuff that really is important for our business. I'm going to do this other thing instead. So what creates that misalignment that makes it so the, the employees are not doing what is actually in the best interest or part of the strategic goals of the company? Sure. So here, here's the number one reason or the way it's often expressed is I spend most of my time putting out fires. Now, my question when somebody says I put out fires all day is, well, what causes the fires? And to the extent that it's the same or similar causes, what are we doing to remove the cause of the fire? So at least you can put out new fires for new reasons. So it's basically stuff that comes up during the day. It's a lack of intent and the planning that grows out of intent to do the things that must be done in order to progress forward. It's very easy to be distracted by what's happening around you. So, so can you give me an example? Because I'm sure I'm working with different companies. You know, obviously, we're not going to say who the company is, but give me an but example. But you'll know who you are. <laughs> so, yeah. But give me an example of that's the other person. That's the other person listening to the podcast. <laughs> that's right. Them, them, and, them, them and thousands of other people. But for right now, let's just focus on those two people. Now, the, so give me an example of a situation where a company had a strategic goal and then you know, what went awry and what were people focusing on instead? Yeah. So I'm sorting through the, I don't know, 150 relatively current examples. So, so here's one which I, I hope is helpful. So the organization 
was intent on growing its client base by a very specific number, let's say 20 or 25. So it was very known throughout the company, hey, we're going to add 20 or 25 of these kinds of clients over the course of the year. And we believe that the following things are going to be necessary in order to get there. And then a lot of stuff happens. We find new office space and we move and, and uh, somebody in our family gets sick and, and an opportunity comes up to do some speaking or we get sort of sucked into this event that saps uh, six weeks or eight weeks of our time. And then some annoying consultant says, uh, so how are we doing? Oh, we, we have eight new clients so far, and it's September, and we're operating January 1 to December 31st. So we would be behind pace. So do we still want to get to 20? That, that's kind of it in a nutshell, is we have these great ideas, but when we don't focus every day on what we need to be doing in order to get to 20 by the end of the year, or at least to, to 20 and maybe to 25, and then by the time it's September and we don't really have time to catch up, we notice it. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. As you know, I work with a lot of organizations on their business growth in terms of sales. And one of the things that I find is that very often senior executives will say, well, so I need to tell my people how many phone calls they should make and how many meetings they should have and how many proposals. And I often stop them. And I'm, and by the way, I'm going to give you opportunity for a rebuttal at the end to tell me what I'm, what the way I'm approaching it is stupid. But what I often explain to them is, look, if you do that, now you're telling them how to accomplish something. And they're thinking, well, I know how to accomplish it. Why are you telling me? They tend to not be bought in. So instead, what we'll say is, well, so, so what's a reasonable target for them to achieve? Okay, it's $100,000 a month. What's well, a new rep? Do we expect them to do $100,000 a month? In month one. Now, so what's the time frame? What's the period? What's the lead time on the sales cycles? What would that $100,000 a month look like? Is it four $25,000 a month clients? Is it, is it two $50,000? Is it 10, $10,000? What does that look like? What's the make? What's the breakdown? And then we kind of build it backwards with the rep that says, so in order to achieve this goal, how many proposals would you need? Okay, so how many meetings would it take to reach that many proposals? So how many referral sources would you need? How many contacts would you, would you need? And we build it from the end backwards. And now the rep, all I have to ask them at a meeting is, so these are the goals we laid out. How do you feel you're doing reaching those goals? And what support do you need from the, from the company so you can accomplish those? And now they're not directed objectives, but they're more co-built. So have I just ruined the lives of, of thousands of people? No, you, you know that I, I often cite you in working with clients because you have some great ways to capture basic ideas uh, that are fundamentally really important. And, and what you described is very consistent with the work that we do. First of all, whenever you're trying to accomplish something and you think about it as a mathematical equation, rather than work it left to right, you know, X plus, you know, A plus Y, whatever equals the outcome. Start on the right with the outcome and work back. That's what you just described. That's great. Now I'm going to cite a couple of totally different wacky sounding things that are hopefully going to make sense when I get to the end. So the first one is there's research that says that we much prefer the gifts that we buy for ourselves versus those that we're given. So for all those people who say, don't give a gift card, don't give cash, that's a bad gift. They're wrong. Because if I can go out and buy a gift with that, 
that I choose, I value it much more highly. So what you described is people buying their own gift, which is if I need to get to a certain place, what are the ways in which I can get there? And then I'm really going to own the heck out of that. So that's, that's weird reference number one. Here's the other one. There's a relatively new book out by a gentleman named Stephen M. Shapiro called Best Practices Are Stupid. Now, they really aren't stupid, and he's really smart. And one of the really smart things he says is when you're trying to be innovative, don't think outside the box. People need a box. Find a better box. So same thing is if the CEO is responsible for figuring out what the box is for everybody specifically, that's a mistake. However, he or she needs to help create the box in which they can create their own. So again, I'm agreeing with you and saying that if we can help executives create the framework, the parameters in which people have some degree of freedom to operate, knowing what those freedoms are and knowing the end point that they're trying to get to and then work towards that by working back from that, if that makes sense, they're going to be a lot more successful and that's a lot more sustainable. And by the way, that's a place a lot more people are going to want to work. Yeah. And for our listeners, Stephen Shapiro was on, I forget where it is, sometime in the last couple of months. So if you go back through the episodes, you'll find um, Stephen on here. And and now I'm feeling really smart. Like, wow, I was lucky I had Stephen on. And then Jeff mentions him. So what an amazing coincidence that is. And um, and Stephen might be the third listener. So that could be. He could be. So Stephen, I, I really enjoy your book. I like the size <laughs> of it. And I like a lot of stuff that's in there. <laughs> so so what what else causes that that kind of disconnect because once again, the, you know, I, I see this over and over where, once again, it's the employee who is now focused on stuff on a daily basis that doesn't actually move the needle. Is it just – is it that they're not in touch with what the objectives are, the organization? Is it Does it get back to that whole mission, vision, um, and objectives? I mean, what what's, what's broken there and how do we fix it? So we're, we're, we're moving from the planning to the action, which is great. And the action part is really where does leverage reside? Where, what are the conduits of clarity? So mission and vision can exist. Strategy can exist. Goals can exist. Tactics can exist somewhere. And still there's my phone ringing, my email going off, and so forth. There was a, an essay in the Wall Street Journal the other day about how smartphones are hijacking our minds. And even if our phone is turned off but within sight of us, it distracts us and we perform less well on tests. So we're we're basically being messed with by all the distractions that can exist. If we have managers or supervisors or conduits of information at various levels who are constantly in connection with us and with the sort of broader landscape of the organization and, and connecting us to that, then we're likely to perform at a higher level. It's just, you know, pick your favorite kind of coaching circumstance. If we're trying to get more fit, run faster, be stronger, you know, eat better, whatever it is, it's not about the concept. It's about what we're doing right now for breakfast and then what we may do for snack and what we may do for lunch. And who's going to help us maintain the discipline of that and have the information we need. That's that's what needs to be occurring more. That's the lack of those things is how we get tripped up. So how how do leaders often communicate what they're you know if we can if we can give an example, give an example of how a leader might typically communicate something versus how should they communicate in a way that's actually going to result in change or action. 
So that's a big question with lots of different answers. I'll, I'll try a couple. So, so one is what we typically see are big, broad statements that aren't necessarily followed up explicitly with actions. Um, there's somebody in the news all the time recently who says, uh, you'll know next Tuesday or Wednesday, and then nothing ever happens on next Tuesday or Wednesday. So we need to make promises that we keep and follow up on the sort of event-driven communications, like uh, you know an annual kickoff meeting or something like that, which you should do, and then you should connect it to real stuff, real planning, real action, real oversight. I think the other is the expectation, again, that things are obvious. This is something that I write and talk about fairly regularly, which is to sort of quote Animal House a little bit, and this will be hopefully my only old movie reference in this interview, is nothing is obvious until we make it so. So the fact that I know it doesn't mean you know it. And even if you know it, doesn't mean you understand it. So if good communication is what you understand and what that moves you to do, then how do we make that happen? So the specifics of that are going to be relative to the organizations in question. But the consistency is don't just speak big and broad and stop connected to something much more tangible. And, and then the last thing I would say about it is ask, and this is something that you do really well, ask a question. Like, okay, so given that, how do we get there? How can you help us get there? What else do you need, et cetera? And, and so it's the power of statement, the power of provision of resources, and the power of using questions to invite people to participate in their own success. So for someone who's in a leadership role, does it make sense to whether it's and at what interval does this make sense? Do you, do you say to your people, look, so here's the goal that we have. Here's this target that we're shooting for in the future. And here are the steps we feel we're going to take to get there. Um, can you give me a report at this interval as to what specifically you're doing to help us get there and what you need that might, you might be missing? Is that too simplistic? So there's an expression that that we use a lot, which is simple but not easy. So I think simplicity is actually a really good thing. The ease with which this happens, the tenacity, conversely, that's needed in order to execute what seems pretty simple – that, that's a different deal. So what are the mechanisms that you have to reach into the, the everyday life of your people without actually being there? Because as a leader, whether you're a 20-person company or a 20,000-employee company, is your job is really to be focused externally, bigger, broader, you, you know, not to be managing the day-to-day. So there are tools like 15-5. There are tools like really good direct supervisors and regular one-on-ones that focus on the individual and so forth. So there are ways to create a greater ease to execute that simplicity. But, you know, don't just say dashboard, come up with the numbers that populate it and a mechanism for reporting that create transparency that is supported. In other words, if if I give you this information and you use it as a bat to whack me, then it defeats the purpose of saying, so what's going well to get us here, which is not where we want to be or which is only part of the way towards where we need to go. And what else could you do? And is there anything that you're doing that maybe you'll do differently or stop doing altogether? Yeah, I had Neen James on, and Neen wrote a book that is, um, what is it? it's Folding Time is the name of the book, and it's how to get twice as much done in half the time. And one of the techniques that, that she recommends for people is she says, look, 
forget about all the advanced technology. She said, every day on a post-it note, write down the top three things that you need to get done. They're going to help you accomplish the underlying goal of whatever it is you're trying to do. So whatever you're tasked with doing, whatever, whatever needle you're supposed to move, write down the three non-negotiable things that day that your day is not complete until those three things are done. And she says, look, it can't be something amorphous. It can't be something so big that it can't be done, but it can be very three, you know, three very discrete tasks. And I will tell you that I don't follow the discipline as well as I should, but when I do, at the end of the day, I'm like, wow, that was a productive day because I took the time to write three things on a post-it note and check them off. And what happens is if I stick that thing on the monitor on my computer, when I start getting distracted by some other shiny object or, hey, look, a squirrel, I focus on, the, on that sheet and say, oh, I haven't done number two on the list yet. So let me not do this silly thing and focus on that instead. So in, what's your thought on things as simple as writing the three things on a Post-it note? Look, all the way back to Stephen Covey, it was one thing. If, if you only accomplish one thing, and then the, the folks who came up with the five-minute journal and productivity planner, they made a ton of money on getting people to you know think in small time increments and, and to focus on specifics. So absolutely. So I love the Post-it note. I'm a big fan of threes, as you know, so three is good. And if you took it a little bit bigger and said, and, and reverse the polarity on this just a tad, you can also run this check, which is what is what I'm going to do next or thinking about using the next hour to do? How does that help me advance what my goals are for this week and or the overall purpose of the role that I'm filling and the way in which I'm supposed to contribute to the organization? So you can run it in both directions and they're both smart. Yep. One of the things I'd love for you to cover is, and this is something is, you know, I often hear organizations interchangeably use the term mission and vision and goals and targets and objectives. And it's like, it's almost like, well, so I was in a seminar once they used all these terms. So it's, it's kind of like the big mashup, the leadership mashup is I'm going to use all these terms. So for the benefit of our audience, how should they be looking at these, at these big terms and how they're going to apply to their business? And if you, and if you want to give an example of that, that'd be great. So, you know, I, I love language, this interview notwithstanding, and you can often find point-counterpoint to these things. I'll, I'll give you a quick rundown of what I've found to be truest. So if you're going to use both vision and mission, vision typically, more often than not, refers to the external impact that you're seeking to have as an organization, with mission being what we're focused on internally. And we may not share externally. People do use those interchangeably, and they're not wrong in doing them. Uh, there, there are words that people use interchangeably that are wrong, and I'll give you that, that insight some other time. But, but mission and vision, it's why I actually prefer that organizations just pick one, and, and they really focus on it and think about it mostly in terms of purpose. Why, why, why are we here? Strategy, which I think is really important to delineate and, and to, to make actionable, are the hows we're going to go about having this purpose met, have the impact that we intend. And then goals are the ways that we measure our progress towards the success that we need to have in order to remain viable as an organization. And tactics are the how we get there. So we've taken all these terms and reduced them to four, number one, and we focused on action. But if you want to make it even simpler than that, you could say this, 
what's the point and what are the dots that we need to connect? I'm a dot, you're a dot, the work includes dots. It's the three things on the post-it notes. It's how this ties to the reason, what's the point, et cetera. We can make it that simple. And if we have conversations with people that we work with that are that sort of fundamentally clear, we are much better able to work independently and collaboratively to achieve the outcomes that we intend, which is, in fact, the point. I, I like that. I like that terminology of of the point and that notion of just breaking down vision and mission to purpose um, just makes it so clear. And then and then everything along the way, strategy, goals, and, and that makes it much clearer to say, look, the strategy is how we're going to get there, and, and the goals are how we measure it. Um, um, just helps helps clarify things. So if if someone's listening and they're an organization that says, look. And I don't want to lay out these objectives for the next year and then be revisiting them again a year from now. What's the one thing you would tell them, look, if there's one thing you're going to do to increase your chances of getting there? And I realize what you guys do is very sophisticated. Um, it's all about actually doing the work. But I realize there's there's a lot of sophistication, a lot of a lot of complexity underlying these simple things that you're able to help organizations achieve, achieve remarkable results with. But if you had to give them one thing to start focusing on, what would that be? Yeah, so I would just come back up half a step and say, if we revisited the objectives on some level year over year, that could be okay because we're continuing to work on the things that matter. If we're waking up and things are exactly like they were a year ago, then we're doing something wrong. So I just draw that, that sort of slight distinction between the two. What I would say is... And there are different ways to say it, and sometimes my language is a little more colorful than this, but it would just be honest. Like, don't tolerate fuzziness. Have conversations about these things that really matter. It's not Ian is a bad guy or Jeff is not getting it done as much as here's what we're in business to do. This is what your role is expected to produce, to contribute. Let's honestly assess where you are the things that are working, the things you need to start, the things you need to stop or shift, and let's work towards that. And then if over a period of time we just can't get you there, if there is a lack of willingness and or ability to get there, then let's find another way for you to contribute or let's help you find a place where you can contribute at the level that you should and feel the way about yourself that you can. These are really important things, and I just see people dance around these issues all the time. It's freaking mind-blowing that we invest all this money in people who are good people as human beings, but they aren't getting the job done in the organization. We not only tolerate it, we abet it, and it makes no sense. So, Jeff, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you to learn more about what it is that you guys are doing? Um, Because I'm sure people are going to want to learn more. Well, I hope so. We have a very interesting, engaging website at shiftthework.com. That's probably the best single place to go. And understand that we are about shifting the work world in order to transform the real world. We believe it. We see it happen when we help move organizations, large, medium, and small, in better directions for themselves. Jeff, thanks so much for playing. I, I, I love having you as one of the two or three listeners of this program, and thanks for spending the time here. Thank you very much. 
There's a ton of stuff you can apply from Jeff. Let me try and give you a quick 30-second recap of the key information I think you can apply to your business right away. First, it really comes down to doing the work. Not just being compliance, but doing the things that are going to move the needle and transform your organization and your clients. This excuse of putting out fires is fine, but you got to get to the root cause and make sure you're eliminating those problems or those hotspots altogether. Finally, this idea of mission, vision, strategy, goals. You can combine mission and vision into purpose. Strategy is how to get to that purpose. And then what are your goals that you can measure so you can measure the progress to make sure that you actually get there? Remember, this show gets its direction from you, the listener. If there's a guest you think I should have on the program, if there's a topic you want me to cover, just fire me a note to ian at ianaltman.com. Have an amazing week, add value, and grow revenue in a way everyone can embrace, even your customer.